Morning Shot. Welcome to Morning Shot. I'm Ahmad Akhtar. Those living in housing board flats will soon be allowed to keep up to two cats in their units with some wiggle room for those who already have more than that, subject to approval and checks on the cat's welfare by the Animal and Veterinary Service. This comes as the government proposed a lift on a 34-year ban on cat ownership in public flats. Now, according to pet welfare groups, some are cheering the suggestion, while others have raised concerns like noise and fears of abandonment of cats due to a misinterpretation of the threshold. When the changes do take effect, all owners will have to get their cats microchipped and licensed, and they'll be subject to penalties similar to those under regulations for dog owners. For more insights on the key concerns and what should be thought through when implementing this, we have with us Thanuga Vijay Kumar, who's the president of the Cat Welfare Society here. She works extensively on the sterilization of community and pet cats and in promoting responsible cat ownership. Thanuga, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Hi, good morning. <laughs> nice to have you on. First and foremost, Tanuga, a welcome move for yourself and other cat lovers, I suppose. In your opinion, how important is the latest development and what difference will it make? There are, after all, already some living in HTB flats that own cats and some members of the public that have voiced out that the current ban hasn't been enforced strictly enough. Well, I think in terms of well, how important it is, it is incredibly important, mm. right? It makes all of the difference. A lot of people are right. There are already many people living in HGBs that own cats. The difference is when you own a cat responsibly, you no longer have to have the fear that someone's going to try to give you some trouble by claiming you cause disamenities. Right. And if you're irresponsible and causing disamenities, then great. Now there will be a stick in this situation to ensure your uh, behavior is rectified. So to those who had noticed that the current ban wasn't strictly enforced, that is correct because you, a ban was far too blunt a tool. There was obviously a line in the sand that said, if you're responsible and not causing any disamenities, mm. there is no reason for the authorities to go investigate your home in that sense. There are already some about 3,000 cases that Cat Welfare Society works on together with various state fields of irresponsible cat ownership. You know, one key concern of cat welfare groups is the issue of abandonment. Uh, Based on the proposal, those who have more than two cats can apply to license and keep all their existing pets, uh, subject, of course, to AVS's approval and checks on the cat's welfare. Uh, Thanuga, what should be done to ensure that cat owners don't end up misinterpreting this threshold uh, and recklessly giving their cats away? I think the main thing here is um, very clear and consistent communication, also Mm. as regularly as possible. So where we are now is we're one year potentially away from when this ban could be lifted. And Mm. then there's another two years for people to sort of adhere to all of the licensing conditions. So if you, before this point in time, so we're talking at a point in time about two and a half, three years down the road. If you have more than two cats, you should be able to get all of them licensed, provided you meet the conditions, which you know basically deal with whether you're responsible or not, whether you've maintained the premises or not, you keep them indoors or not. So it should not be difficult for any responsible cat owner with, in excess of whatever the final threshold number is to actually get approval. Mm. What happens at that three-year mark is that then this two or three number kicks in. And there is obviously a disparity in there because HDPs was two and private premises was three. Right, okay. Staying on the same topic here, do you think the situation on cat abandonment has improved over the years? And if so, why is that? 
Well, the issue of cat abandonment has arisen again because we think that people um, may misunderstand that this threshold point is about two and a half, three years away and think that they're supposed to drop down to two immediately. So that's why this issue has arisen. The overall situation on cat abandonment, yes, it has improved over the years. Unfortunately, not significantly enough, there is still a great burden borne by community cat caregivers when the cats get abandoned into their estate. Right. So I think the reason it's improved is we've been able to sterilize more pet cats and prevent overpopulation in hopes. The reason it has not improved that much is unfortunately there are a lot of irresponsible cat owners mm. who don't really care about their neighbors and leave their cats unsterilized. Whether it's one or two or five or ten, Unsterilized cats still unfortunately cause caterwauling and they want to roam because it's their nature in that sense to want to roam and mate. That's why you need sterilization because that's, that's the most conscientious thing you could do when you live so close to many others. Yeah. How far, Tanuga, will mandatory microchipping and licensing go in deterring owners from abandoning their cats? I think there's two parts to this, right? First, you have to make sure that all the cats are actually microchipped and licensed. If you have that as the starting premise, that there is 100% adherence, then it will be the most effective deterrence because there will no longer be a need in that sense to um, investigate that much. It goes from trying to figure out whether the cat was lost and dealing with all of those allegations of, you know, is this cat even owned to start with? Forget about the abandonment point. You remove half of the investigation arguments in that. You can prove ownership to start with, and then you've got to investigate only why this cat was outside. Mm. And was it a mistake or was it intentional, right? And that becomes, you know, so much smaller in that sense of an issue to deal with than having to do this threshold issue of ownership. Well, you talk about ownership. Uh, that brings me to my next question, uh, responsible cat ownership. What should new owners be prepared for when they get a cat? Okay, so... Actually, it's really simple. It's logical. Think of it as a very, very mobile child. What would you be doing for a very mobile child? You'd be making sure that the child can't fall out of open windows, so you'd be doing some sort of grilling in there. Just remember the cat's smaller than a kid. Make the, you know, the grills one and a half or two inches wide. Keep them strictly indoors. Don't sort of let them wander around the corridors. Obviously, provide litter boxes and maintain them. Maintain the general premises of your place. The one stark difference, obviously, was the point on sterilization because the mm. catabolic can get really loud. You know, um, unsterilized males have especially stinky pee because of testosterone. So there is, like, obviously a little bit more than that, but everything is really very logical and very community-minded in that sense. The aim is just to not cause disability. Mm. Of course, you know, someone's cat might run out at some point. We're not saying that that's never going to happen if you're a responsible cat owner. What we're saying is we need to bring that likelihood down as low as possible because we now have this opportunity to make a true difference and set the stage. All right. Another fundamental issue up for discussion is adoption. Now, how challenging is it at the moment when it comes to convincing prospective owners to adopt instead of buying a cat? Now, we know there are people in Singapore who are willing to pay upwards of $7,500 for a pedigree Bengal cat. So what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so I think that if you have adoption versus purchase, adoption has become extremely popular over mm. time. That's actually very heartening because there are two different barriers of entry to owning a pet, 
right? When you do go through like a responsible adoption process where you're sitting down with the fosters, you're meeting with the cat, you're understanding what steps need to be taken to cat-proof your house, you need to understand, you know, if this is like a potentially 20-year commitment, you know, what life changes are you going through? Just have a think. Be prepared. You know, it's not just sort of a whim, right? You can't just sort of walk into a store and then decide to buy <laughs> a living thing that's going to last you 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a very different barrier of entry. So it is challenging, obviously, to get people to adopt when there's a higher barrier of entry. But that said, the rate has gone up so much that I'm convinced that the majority of people who choose to adopt, they get it. They're far more mature in their thinking, right? They're willing to commit to that thought process. Yes, the same people might also buy, but at least they would be more informed and they might be making a better choice, right? They're choosing like the ethical breeders, the one who actually, they know there are conditions to be met. They're checking on that. They're checking like, oh, you know, parentage, lineage. They, they're doing a bit more research, a bit more homework. Mm. What we need to try to eradicate is this whim sort of purchase, is the backyard breeders who think they can make a quick buck from their unsterilized cat. <laughs> The people, I mean, you know, there's so many shades of grey, right? In yes. That sense. So we just need to stop that. We need people to be more informed, more intelligent about the choices they make. It's not just their life, you see. Yeah, so education is a key component of this as well. Now, obviously, a lot of thought went into the proposal by the government to lift a ban of more than 30 years on cat ownership in public flats. But aside from that, what kind of regulations do you feel need to be put in place? So I think we've mentioned mandatory sterilization mm, several mm. times and that the need for that cannot really be overstated. Um, maybe there should be a special carve-out, and I'm sure this is under discussion, for how do we help um, fosters and rehomers who are you know, just trying to place cats and factor into the second part of Avias' scheme on the trap, neuter, release, rehome, manage part. So they would be very critical on the rehome aspect. Um, we've also talked, obviously, about the transition period and how communicating that, we, you know, we've got two plus years. Everybody calm down. Do not panic. <laughs> we can get there, <laughs> right? We need to figure out how to help people substantially to ensure that they cross the threshold of responsible cat owners, not sort of give them like this free-for-all, let's dump the cat. But on the threshold, you know, we need to figure out where this threshold came from. And it should be the same, right? It should be three and three. Our research shows three it makes more sense. Um, I mean, I think we're there, right? Like, it's not, we're not far off from what um, regulation CWS has proposed several times in the past. It's really the sterilization bit, it's the carve-out bit. And I think what we need to discuss as AWGs and with the various stakeholders is how are we going to see this Enforce like what is our vision for this, and what you know the next three years, the five years, the ten-year roadmap on how are we going to affect this? Because at the end of the day, there's always going to be an AVS, right? There's always going to be an authority, mm. but animal welfare groups are entirely, almost entirely, reliant on donations or merchandise sales, or you know there are subsidies and grants, but significantly smaller contributions to how much we need to put something like this into effect. So where's the burden going to lie? It, it can't lie with the charities. It must be entrenched in the authorities. So how do we figure that mix out? And over time, how does that mix shift? Those are just sort of more points for the future that we need to think about beyond the regulations. All right. You've turned quite a complex issue and simplified it very well for us. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. We've been in conversation with Tanuga Vijay Kumar, who's the president of the Cat Welfare Society. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.